got the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Northern Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the podcast for the third time is Sorry Paul from International Objects. Sorry, welcome back to the show. Hey! Yeah, and uh, we are continuing our series into the Undertaker's streak, and which this time he is taking on Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 24. And two things interesting about this. Um, First one is that this is the first outdoor WrestleMania for 15 years. And last one was at WrestleMania 9. And this is Undertaker's first main event for 11 years. Which is really weird because he's been, he's been in the company for what, 22 years. And you would have thought you would have had more WrestleMania main events during that time. Mm hmm. Yeah, they really sort of cycled him down the card for a long time there. Yeah. Um, so pretty much the story into this match is um, Undertaker had won the World Heavyweight Championship at Westminster 23 over Batista. Um, he was defending it in a May 11th, in a SmackDown in May against Batista's Steel Cage match. Um, after the match, because uh, he ended in the draw, because both escaped at the same time, Mark Henry makes his return after that match and I'm watching the Undertaker. Um, after after that, Edge, who he faced, um, he was in the Money Bank ladder match at WrestleMania and lost to Mr. Kennedy, but he, he got the match, he got a match against Mr. Kennedy to win back, win the contract off. He runs in, cashes it in, and wins his first world championship. I think he became W champion two times before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like his third world championship was his first world heavyweight championship. Um, and then that was a bit when he lose. I don't think he had it that long. But then, um, but he spent pretty much most of the year like stopping Undertaker from opportunities of getting the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Edge himself wins it by, I think it was a triple threat match, um, with Batista and Undertaker. And during this time, Edge himself was starting to form. Like his own stable, he had the edgeheads of uh, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. He was in a relationship with Ricky Guerrero, who became uh, SmackDown general manager from Teddy Long, and Teddy Long became uh, pretty much assuming that was Vicky's bitch in this as well. And that's pretty much it. It's um, <laughs> so, well, this, is a, this even though it's it's a great rivalry, I think it's a really good rivalry. It goes on for over a year, but this is instead of like ended at WrestleMania. That seems to be the peak. It doesn't end for like another four months after this. And I find that quite weird because with WrestleMania, a lot of why we... No, they, like, they do a few more main events together. Yeah, they do. And, and WrestleMania in general, uh, rivalries tend to end at that point because that's like technically the end of the wrestling year. And then mm-hmm. they kind of like... So they either start a new feud and they kind of start a new feud and they might get a rematch next month. 
So I always find it interesting that it, you know, this feud kind of goes on and off for about a year, year and a half. Yeah, it's pretty lengthy, and I watched um, absolutely none of it. <laughs> it's okay. not out of like lack of interest, but this this was. Um, I just really wasn't watching wrestling at this period. Uh, so going like I, WrestleMania twenty one, I think was the first one that I didn't watch like right away, like live. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't be until WrestleMania twenty five that I started to sort of care about the big show again. And so, like, I didn't actually see WrestleMania 24 until maybe last year, like maybe 2012. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those shows that I was like, yeah, I'll get around to seeing it. It just didn't seem like that big a deal. Um, but it's a massively stacked show and and ages very well. It's gorgeous. Um, it's uh, watching the like WWE WrestleMania documentary, they talk about 24 and how they had to basically build the stadium from the scraps that were left over. Like it's an old beat up piece of crap stadium. Yeah. And that the whole set is just them. Like they put that all together and it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, we're going to fade now where it's like, they're now in the big stadiums. I'm going to be, like outdoor and like a dome stadium, like well, they're not New Orleans this year, so that's a dome stadium. Um, so you got like one side of it would be like this massive stage. Like 23 years old, after they were in Detroit the previous year, and so pretty much every year, you always have a really big stage. And I don't know much about the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, but I know there's no NFL teams there, so I presume it's just the college football teams there that use it. But I didn't realize it was an old stadium. So um yeah so with that um mm-hmm. on the t- on to the challenge yes, so he um, comes out but yeah I sorry. I sorry go ahead no no, no, no you I'm, go ahead I was just saying about the entrances like for like the fourth year in a row Drew's come out <laughs> yeah and, and yeah. I'm gonna sit the deficit in the memory every year now because uh, with this I mean, it's it's roughly the same one as as it did twenty three like the Drews come out but they'll come all the way down the aisle they kind of mm-hmm. go along the stage. You have a bit that, of to be fair, that's a very long aisle. <laughs> they would have had to hire a lot of druids. <laughs> yes, they would. Um, yeah, but it's, it's almost the same as last year. I mean, he's done the, the druid thing for a good few years now, and it was great at the time. But I think, I think he's not. So the way I've done it, I've watched like each, you know, each street match in order, and. Obviously, that's not how you're supposed to watch these matches. You're supposed like watch a year or you know, go back and watch them so often. So, I think with me seeing Drews every year, it's like, oh God, not again. <laughs> yeah, I thought the Druids were cool, but I d- it did feel like, oh, you're just doing the same thing that you did the year before. Yeah. Um, so, when he comes out, and what he does is that he raises his arm and flames stop coming out of the stage. And he's Evolve from the the hat and the long coat that he's wearing to like the gown, the gown that he's kind of wearing during the attitude era. Um, so he comes down. Um, the comments of this one, by the way, are Michael Cole and Jonathan Coachman. Um, I didn't realize Coach was like the color commentator at this time. It's been, it seems a bit of an unusual match. It does seem weird. Like I, I, I honestly had thought he'd left by this point. Yeah, so like I know, I know he's he's at working at ESPN now, but I thought he left at that point. Hmm. Uh, so I guess he left like not too long after this, though. 
Yeah, so yourself does the pre in WrestleMania 23, we're pretty much Michael Cole's commentated on all the WrestleMania Street matches from 21 onwards. Mm-hmm. And um, the previous year it was with JBL, so I thought, oh, because I know there's one WrestleMania with JBL goes, yeah, I trade. I can't remember if it was 24, 25 when he does that. Oh, that was 25. 25, yeah. So, so I went when I heard him commentating on the WrestleMania 23 match, I thought, oh, right, I, I must have got the timelines mixed up. I thought, oh, he must have retired earlier. So it's weird him like going up, you no, know, not commentating anymore, and I was just trying to be coaching. But with the SmackDown commentators, it, they were just changing quite a lot. You had Rick Foley there for a little while, then they moved Jim Ross over there, and Max Raider did for mm-hmm. a while. There seemed to be like, see, there was never like a set commentators. Mm-hmm. For SmackDown. That, I think that suffered. That that made that show suffer. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, um, the referee is uh, Jimmy Cadesso, right? So. I know you got like that guy because he's from Toronto. Oh yeah, big fan of Jimmy. Yeah, um, and Edge comes out and he comes out for like a second, and then uh, Teddy Long is pushing Vicky Guerrero in the wheelchair, and I can't remember why is Vicky in the wheelchair. I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I wasn't I can't watching. Remember. I don't know either. This like this is one of those moments where I'm like, ah, the plot that you were going for weekly ruined this timeless moment. Like I'm sure there was something on SmackDown like that month or whatever that 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 made this happen, but I wish they had just left all the weekly plot out of it. Yeah, that's true. As I, as I, I've just looked at it now. Apparently, Gura got a two-stone power driver by the Undertaker, so that might be why she's in the wheelchair. There you go. I just couldn't but like, because... but like, who cares? She wasn't at ringside. No, she wasn't. Like... I thought I thought she would be, but she was like she goes out. Kisses Edge and then Teddy Long just pushes her back. Yeah, was... like who who cares? Just leave this stuff out. I if I could give the if I could give advice to anybody who like makes decisions for WrestleMania, is that like the kind of stuff that you feel won't matter in a year, leave off the show. Yes. Because there are wrestling fans who will only watch WrestleMania. Like that's the only thing they're gonna watch. And even if you watch more things than WrestleMania, you often look at WrestleMania as this, like, time capsule of the period. And so, like, having having stuff like that on the show makes it feel more like, oh, just a weekly episode of this thing, rather yeah. than this hoisted-up, more important platform. Yeah, I agree. It's weird. Um, one thing I noticed as well is that... Um well, the commentaries don't, the digital things that stand out, I'll talk about in a minute. But I just like going, especially in the public, because like, I've never lost a WrestleMania. So it's technically streak versus streak. And when I heard that, I was yeah. like, that can't be right. And it's not, because he lost the previous year. And again, we lost like his first WrestleMania match, some of that, but like, you lost last year. You're technically not undefeated. Well, he's never been pinned. He's never been like defeated. He He's lost like multi man matches where, where like winning. That match doesn't mean losing technically. Yeah. So it was one of those like dick moves. Like that's like saying Miz is undefeated at WrestleMania. Like okay, fine, technically. Yes. <laughs> but nobody cares. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. So the match start by um, Edge pushing Taker and then starts pushing him in the corner. Um, Taker hits the clothesline and sends Edge over the top rope. Um. Then to go back inside, uh, go back to the whole, like, you know, try a lot of brawling, a lot of fighting in the corners. Um, 
I take a sends him to one corner but gets a boot in the face and then to edge his right hand but um Tickles doesn't take that well because it just kills him with a flying clothesline but it only gets two and then um Tate goes for the old school but Edge pushes him this is a bit I really like in the match uh, Tate goes for the old school Edge pulls him off the top rope but only Tate counts that into an arm grab which I thought was a really nice move Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he would do that two years later with Michaels and screw up his leg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. Had to, I mean, I watched that a few watched that match a few months after I had it, but I had the chance to watch it again for this. Mm-hmm. He uh, actually all for the next three matches, like this one, twenty five and twenty six. He'll go for the old school really early. Yeah, he, he's done that the previous two matches, and the, it, I think there's been a couple of times where it doesn't it doesn't pull it doesn't go right straight away. It's mm-hmm. one of the where he goes for old school like, only once, but he fails, so he doesn't do it again. Uh, but I think it's been one or two matches where he, he goes for old school, fails, but then does it later on near the end. Right. I, I gotta be honest, like, I watched this match, um, like, yesterday, yeah. and I've forgotten what happened in 90% of it. it. It's weird. A lot of people have said this about Edge Taker, is that it's... It's fine. Like, there's nothing bad about it, but there's also just nothing memorable about this match whatsoever. No, it is. It's, like, it's it's a series of wrestling moves that are put together to create a story that, like, five minutes after you watch it, you completely forget. Yeah, and I don't. And I think even though it's the main event, it's not what WrestleMania 24 is remembered for. No, it's it's it's, it's the it's always going to be Shawn Michaels with their match. And of course, I've not seen the WrestleMania itself as a whole, but I have seen that match. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people saying, oh, that should have been the main event. But apparently, it was Flair who said, look, I don't want it to be in the main event. Right. He, he believed that, that the champion should be on last. So it's kind of respecting that kind of thing. Has there, on that point, has there ever been a time when, like, the biggest match obviously should have gone on last but somebody's like no 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 the title's more important or some crap like that and they put some other match on last has there's has there ever been a time when that wasn't a huge mistake i don't think so i mean um teenage like teenage weird because they might have um stories that are really, probably bigger than the title match but the title matches always comes on last anyway and there might be times where you think well that could have been the main event but it's you know it's teenage so I mean, I'm a very TNA apologist, anyway. But one thing to do is always make sure the the World Heavyweight Championship match is last, no matter what, no matter what the stories are, as well. But I agree. I mean, it's rules of this. I think everyone should have said, you know, you know, it's going to work. Fair look, we was pretty decision, but you go in the main event. <laughs> yeah. Um. So with this, um. They're really choking in the corner. Um, Taker goes for the splash, but he, he goes over the top and goes to the floor instead. Um, at this point, Edge is trying to keep Undertaker out of the ring because um, Taker gets on of the apron, but he's sent off it and goes flying onto the barricade. And then Edge does a, back, uh, does a baseball slide to keep him out. And he does a bit where um, Taker goes back on the apron and then Edge does a swing of netbreaker. And um, then starts like tossing the crowd and um, celebrate, you know, kind of celebrating to them. And 
you're supposed to take a bat in the corner and then start like spearing him and stopping on him and all that stuff. Um, during this time, a Edge is focused on the lower back of Undertaker, and that does to that does help him out at the end because there's a bit where Taker does make a bit of a comeback, but he's trying to do a scoop for Sam, but with his back he can't do it, so he falls down and that gets two. And there's a bit where um, they're drunk hit by Edge and he goes on the top rope, but he's pushed off the floor, and then Undertaker does his um, suicide dive, which I love that move. It's very cool here, and he does it properly. Like, this is one of those times where you think, like, well, this was, you know, you think, like, oh, what do you mean there weren't any great memorable moves in this match? Like, look at this. He does the plancha, and he does it well. But, like, people remember the one from the next year, like, at 25. They remember that one because he fucked it up and nearly killed himself. (laughs) Is that the one where um, Michael's moves out the way? Yeah, because that's the one where Michael yeah. drops a cameraman and yeah. they completely yeah. miss, misses him. And like this is one of the sad things about like like <laughs> physical theater is that like the one he does fine nobody remembers, but it's the one that gets all car wrecked that that's the one people point to as the big deal. Yeah, it is. Um, that goes back inside. I know take goes for the last wide, but he can't do it. Uh, I get hit by a big boot by Edge for two. Um. The dashing in this mask, it's all over the place. It goes inside and outside, inside and mm-hmm. outside. Oh, they do their best. No, like nobody can look at this match and be like, "Oh, these two didn't try very hard." Like yeah. they totally did. They they did everything they could. Like, um, not too long from now, like Edge back body drops Taker just into the crowd. Yes, <laughs> you know, which is a great spot. It looks amazing, yeah. and it gets a huge reaction. But like, eh. <laughs> Like this, and the crowd is just kind of dead for this. This is a problem with the big arenas, especially the open arenas, is that you can't hear anybody. Yeah, it yeah, really yeah. makes WrestleMania suffer because you just can't. Like the crowd might be going crazy, but you have no idea. Yeah, I think I think so. And that, especially since whilst you've got thousands in the arena, you've got millions watching, and you're trying to make sure they're part of the experience as well. Exactly, exactly. And it's it's really tough. Like these guys they try their best. One of one of the problems with Edge though is that like his stuff doesn't look like it hurts. Um like a lot of his offense and this has been a big criticism of Edge his whole career is that his offense just doesn't look like it's impacting at all. Yeah. Like he has historically one of the weakest spears of anybody. Um like a lot of the like the female wrestlers spear harder than he does. Yeah, uh, I, I think especially now because um, Roman Reigns does it now, and I love brutal. Reigns uh, does a good spear, but I'm, I'm thinking like specifically like like Caitlyn does a oh, fantastic yeah. spear, like like puts Edge's spear to bloody shame. Yeah, but the, I remember the bit when um, Caitlyn was having the feud with AJ, and that's a, uh, that's a contract signing, mm-hmm. and um, that goes like pear shaped as contract signers always do. Yeah. And um, obviously AJ's got Biggie Lanson and Lanson just grabs Caitlyn but calm down. Caitlyn slaps him and then just like kills AJ with a spear. And it does yeah. help that AJ is like probably, 80 pounds or something. And yeah. she's probably like the best, probably the one of the best sellers in the company. Mm-hmm. And she's just looked like, she looked like she's just dead. 
But yeah, like like Edge's Edge's kind of weak looking offense makes this match suffer because every time he hits the Undertaker, you're just like, well, you're gonna have to hit him ten more times to get any result here. Yeah, that's true. Um, especially really because, but I do like a bit of psychology. Like it is, look, it's not like when it's, you get some matches where they focus on one body part and forget about that, and then focus on another body part. Um, not so much here because. No, Edge puts um, a half Boston trap, so he's hitting the pressure on the lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he does, well, take gets out of it. And then he does, I don't know, I mean, did he ever move this? Where he kind of, he crosses the lower legs and then puts pressure on it, but he's kind of, he's not, he's not doing the sharpshooter, but he's like on the same level as Undertaker. Yeah. Um, and I think he kind of moved for that, but I can't remember what it was. Um, um, it it was one of his like patented like like the word edge is in the name of the yeah. move at some point. It's all of his moves are like that. Yeah. Um, him obviously gets out of it and the stage push for a little while, and takes sends him into the so to the corner. His two opposite punches and then the snake eyes, which is when he puts him like is it doing power slam, bounces him off the top turnbuckle, and and then he goes and he tries to go for the um big boot but he. Edge hits a drop kick instead of a two. Mm-hmm. And also with the commentary, uh, Marco is, is constantly referring to Edge as the ultimate opportunist because obviously he's cashing money bank prize. And um, that's it's kind of, I can't remember if it's the first time like he's been referred to as the ultimate opportunist. I don't know. Is it is what I mean? One thing I write about in my, uh, when I do my paper reviews, it's just like, a moment where like something happened, and some guy takes an op, you know, seizes the opportunity to like get the win. Or it could put down like you know, so and so after referring to Edge's manual, <laughs> how to be the ultimate opportunist, you know, goes and wins the match kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So this is the bit where um. Edge tries to move for the second rope, but he's caught by Taker. Uh, Taker tries for the choke slam twice. The first time, Edge just simply pushes the arm away. Uh, the second time, um, Taker does get up in the air, but Edge drops his head and puts a DDT on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edge goes for the spear, because he needs a go up, then chokeslammed, but only gets two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker goes for the old school again, but this time Edge uh, crushes him onto the turnbuckle and then hits uh, a superplex. And Magico annoys me here because he goes, okay, Edge covers, he goes, the streak is over. And I'm going, no, it's not. It's a superplex. It's not, the match is not going to be over on a superplex. No, of course not. I mean, come <laughs> on. I, I mean, the fact is, there's not one move that Edge does that makes me think, like, well, it could be over now. Yeah, that's true. Like, not once. Which is that, that I'm sure going by these matches, one by one, you've got this feeling now of sort of, well, I know how this is going to go. Yeah. Right. Like with Undertaker matches at WrestleMania, every single he wins every single one, and you're watching them one by one. Um, and you, you, so the, at the beginning of each match, like you got to think like, well, I got to get through this because I know at no point in time am I actually going to get emotionally invested in what might happen. Um, yeah. And you know that not one move from any of his opponents will actually get all that close. Yeah. Um, at least not until maybe the last, like with Michaels, maybe it gets the closest. But like with this one, like it, it just doesn't seem like a threat at all. No, it doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, I mean which is sad because like this is this is a good match ish, uh, you know. Yeah. But like it really suffers from predetermined outcome syndrome. Yeah, 
Which it, you would think more wrestling matches would have, <laughs> all told. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think the chat. I think the challenge WWE have now with all the taking matches at WrestleMania is that. Like, pretty much, there's going to be a very, very small minority who think Undertaker would lose. So everyone's going to think he's going to win. The challenge they've got is to make you think that he could lose. Mm-hmm. And I think they've done that, probably not so much with Punk match, but I know especially where uh, this, the last Triple H match, and maybe with maybe one of the Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels matches, there's yeah. a bit where you think, oh, he could actually lose here. Because it's, it's just a, like a shocking moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought at 25 and at 28, they did a very good yes. job of making it seem that um, he's that that this could happen at 25 because he legit hurt himself for real. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at 28 because they put Sean as the referee, and that and that became the emotional factor of the match. But here, it's just like, eh, who cares? Let's just get this over with. And like, are are we at the point where we can talk about the finisher yet? Uh. Almost out. It was, it was All right, let's let's bit. get to the finisher there because nothing else happens that's interesting before that. Yeah, well, let's well, go a bit was um because obviously Taker goes with a big boot and then oh he does he does old school finally uh, before that goes with a big boot but kills the referee. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a referee by Edge and but eventually but after Edge drops a TV camera hits Taker with it he goes to revive the West but he wants it to fall. And one bit, this is like probably my favorite bit in the match, and it doesn't involve the wrestlers. Um, Edge goes for the tombstone, reverses to the tombstone by Taker. Taker covers, but he has to wait for Charles Robin to sprinting like Usain Bolt down the aisle yeah. to make the count. But obviously, that takes a good minute, so Edge mm-hmm. obviously kicks out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when the Edgeheads, who are Zack Ryder and Kurt Huggers, won, won down to help, but they're useless here. Because Taker just deals with him quite easily, and there's one bit where uh, he, he kicks Hawkins off the apron and then choke slams Zack Wider onto him. Yeah, it looks really nasty. Utterly useless. Yes. Help these two. <laughs> yeah, worst lackeys ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Edge does take the opportunity to hit a spear, but only gets two. Um, his another spear, and then this is when Undertaker puts in the Hell's Gate. And then eventually Edge taps out and Taker wins as your new world and a new world heavyweight champion. And then one thing I want to ask you is that do you think that do you think that was a good way to end the match? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's interesting that that even they think that Edge's spear is so weak that he can hit the Undertaker with it, and then within like a second, the Undertaker gets up, puts him in a submission, and it's over. Like, there's no recovery period. There's no, um, like, a minute of Edge being cocky and walking around and then, you know, with his hubris falling. Like, nope, he hits him with it. One set, one beat later, he's in the submission move and it's over. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Undertaker having a submission move anyway. Um, but the one time I, I kind of see it make sense was, when he, was the West Midway 27 match because other. Triple H just destroys him in that match. Mm-hmm. And I think just out of desperation, he just puts on that. Yeah, the hell I, like, I like the move well enough, and I like that it's a defensive move. There's not very many good defensive submission moves, so that's I appreciate it for that. Yeah. Um, but And it's a pretty good ending sequence, even if it does kind of come out of nowhere. Like, you feel like, um, wasn't Edge in control there, yeah. <laughs> like, just a second ago? Yeah, it is a bit weird when it's like Edge has the match won and then suddenly he loses. 
you're like yeah oh, it's, it really seems quick um yeah. yeah i don't know and then and then edge disappears and undertaker celebrates and that's the end yeah and fireworks go off yeah that's pretty much the end um mm-hmm. so yeah it's some fun i mean i think i think it's a, it's a fun match but it's not the standout of the show which is a shame because it's the main event but as I said before, the, the feud goes on for a good four months after that. Because I know it culminates in the Hell in a Cell match at the 2008 SummerSlam. In which Undertaker um, sends Edge to Hell after the match. So, um, so where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at SawyerPaul.com and at underscore SawyerPaul. And you can, um, I'm, I'm, I would love to have my mind changed about this match, but yeah, I think this is, this is maybe the worst of his like WrestleMania 20 series. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I know, I'm not trying to see 25. Except yeah. for maybe like the Mark Henry one, but I don't even really count that one. See, I, I've seen that one. It's more fun than Fallout. I thought it would be because Mark Henry's going through like his billion fail push or whatever. So mm-hmm. when I heard when I was like, Oh god, I've got to watch this match. Well actually it's not a bad match to watch. Um the one thing I wanna ask you before we go. Um this year Undertaker is facing Brock Nesta. Do you think that's a good choice? Uh yeah, I think it's solid, if a little predictable. Um I think Brock's one of the, one of the few guys on the show who can who can give you that feeling that Undertaker might lose. And at this point in time, I don't think they should have anybody face taker who who can't get him an inch closer to that feeling? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I I don't think there's anyone else on the roster except for maybe Cena. But I want I don't want him anywhere near a streak match. Well, you don't want him anywhere near a streak match because you don't feel like Cena would lose. It's not that. It's um, two thousand going back to I mean, two thousand twelve was the year where I kind of started becoming Cena hater. And sure. there's many reasons for that, but one of them is that he never loses cleanly. Those like someone interferes or he gets distracted or whatever. And I don't think Cena would do that personally, but I can see creative going with a Cena taking match that Cena, in a, no, due to some other means, loses. And I feel if they did, I think if they did that with a taken match, it would kind of discredit yep. it somewhat. Yeah, it would taint it a little bit, definitely. I, I I find that like most people don't want seen anywhere near Taker because they know that he's the only real threat. Yeah, that's true. Um, but one thing, I'm, one thing I'm liking at, at the minute with this block, uh, the Taker block feud, is having Paul Heyman in it. Yeah, it's very cool. It's sort of like okay, so we can't have two CM Punk matches like we had two Michaels and two Triple H matches. So what we'll have is two Paul Heyman guys. Yeah. Um, but did you get a chance to see uh, Heyman's promo like last Monday? Yeah, it was great stuff. Oh, really, I just loved it, and I mean, I think hopefully he can make. I think he did it last year. We have a punk having was great anyway. But I yeah, think, hey, I've been a big fan of Heyman ever since he, he started doing commentary, mm-hmm. and um, I think I think he will make this match because Bushy Brock's not the best talker. Honestly, it's not really the best talker either, to be honest. No, neither of those two are. It should just be Heyman talking the whole time. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So, yeah. Um, so, Troy, thank you again for being on the show. Of course. Yeah, and um, so you can find me on the internet at uh, Lowdown Wrestling on Twitter and on the website lowdownwrestling.blogspot.com. Um, and join us next time where I'll be with Joe Drilling from 
No, sorry, I've got it wrong. I'll be with Corey Santiago and we discuss um, the first Shawn Michaels match at Wembley 25. Oh, he's a lucky guy for doing that one. Yes. Um, so until then, take care and thank you for listening.